I think about time a lot. From what it was like in the 80s to whether I'm in my prime or not. Time is one of those topics that will drive you crazy if you focus on it too much. And time is one of those topics that honestly makes me want to give up. It's 2020 and things have clearly never been less clear. And most of us are still living without hope, leading lives filled with fear. Tell me, what's your timeline look like? Not your Instagram timeline, but your actual life. When the smiles aren't there and the lighting's not right and your feet smell like shit at the end of the night. What's that timeline look like around your nine to five? And what is it that you do that allows you to feel alive? Time moves a little faster when I'm enjoying myself and time seems to drag on when I feel like I've been put on a shelf. I was born in 1995 and I'm trying to speak to the future because luckily, I was born at the right time and I can broadcast from my computer. If I was born in 1895, I'd be a completely different guy. So who am I to say that I'm not living a lie? You are you because of not just where, but when you're born. And when it comes to free will, my opinions are kind of torn. On one hand, I feel conscious and like I'm making my own decisions, but then I know life is just the product of outer space collisions. So, which is it? Am I the product of stardust and mutations, or am I God's one begotten creation? Neither is probable or likely, but they're the solutions that we've got. So if that's the hand we're dealt, I'll just let time be my God. It carries me through life, aging my very skin, and as far as I know, time is fine with sin, so I'll drink up and let time dictate my life and I'll accept when life's done because I'll know that the time was right. So tell me, what's your timeline look like? From womb to tomb, what did you do? Are you someone you're proud of and if not, then how come? If you were in charge, then why is this life your outcome? If time is all I have, you bet your ass I'll make the most of it. No, I'm not successful, but I'm pretty damn close to it. Shit, if I had back all the time I'd ever wasted, I'd fucking waste it again. The only reason that I work hard is so that I can waste time with my friends. I'm not here to motivate, evangelize, or even make you like me. I'm here to point out that your belief system is unlikely. I'm here to ask you why your screws are wound so tightly and ask you to lighten the fuck up politely. If you're listening to this in 2020 or 2101, it means that my job is done. Our understanding of time is obtuse. At best, we're confused. So to connect my two major demographics, here's what I'll do. No matter the year that you're listening, Think about what's in your pockets. In 2020, it's probably just a phone, wallet, and some keys. Every day you feel around your thighs like a weirdo, and you make sure that your phone, wallet, and keys are there. Because you need your wallet for money and your keys for your car, and without your phone, I bet you wouldn't get far. But just 50 years ago, reality was different. You still needed keys and your wallet, but your phone was just some bullshit in the kitchen, by the dishes. So, to the people of 2100, what the fuck is in your pockets? Probably something I'd never thought of. Maybe pants are different because pants change too. But regardless of our pants, future people, I'm just the same as you. To the people of 2100, everything that we're doing right now is creating the world that you live in. 
good, bad, and the ugly. You got your ideas from us, your good ones, and your bad ones too. And I'm trying to cut through all that bullshit to speak directly to you. Something no one has ever tried to do. There are things that people alive in 2020 haven't done yet that will change the world and those people don't even know it yet. My favorite thing about this series is that I don't get to decide the context. If you're listening to this in 2100, understand that this podcast was made in a world where your entire cultural framework does not exist yet. My reality no longer exists. The things that I am worried about will have already happened and all of my ambitions will have either been reached or have failed. You are listening to a relic. My entire life is something that you can look up on the internet. You can see pictures of me when I'm 50. I'm only 24. You know if I have kids or if I killed myself, you have all of the answers to my life. But me, I'm stuck in time. And I have to live it so that you can read it. The people of 2100 live in a reality that we are yet to create. So I want this show to help make their reality great. Because if I'm being honest, the reality that I live in is something that I hate. A world post 9-11 and the recession of 2008. Those are the two major events that dictated my life. I wonder what yours will be. Maybe a revolution or a nuke. You never know. You just have to sit back and go with the flow. My name is Jason Peters and this is my show. Before we get to uh, Sebastian Gabriel, uh, the Google UX designer, and uh, the Lonely T-Rex, and what this episode's all about, real quick, I'm going to play a press appearance in which I went on a radio show to promote the podcast, because in doing it, I explain what the show is all about in a way that I never have before, so... To rejog anyone's memory, uh, the listeners of season one, or to introduce what the show is to the people of season two, here is professional ass Jason Peters on a radio show pitching his shit. Even better than I was the yeah. last time, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. We back. I'm good. Ooh, yeah. I'm good. We back and 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 we back. 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 back.
Tune into the conversation on iHeartRadio or the Radio FX app. Call us, 215-204-9447. But we kind of swapped out right yeah. now. We replaced Michael. We replaced Michael. Uh-huh, it finally exactly. happened. We're changing energy. Yeah, we're, we're changing up. The tone of the of the show's yes. gonna switch now. The one time that Victoria tried to do wake up call like roast Michael Carey edition, Michael Carey was listening. Well, you can clearly tell that that is not, not Michael's Michael voice. No. Jason Peters is on the show. Oh yeah, I forgot to introduce myself completely. <laughs> How you Michael? doing today? It's good. It's nice to be back. I used to host a show out of this very studio. Did uh, you? It was way worse. And shout out to you guys listening listening to just the first segment. You guys are very professional and talented. <laughs> hey. broad we like to think so. No, it has a very professional and sound uh, professional sound to it, which Thank I can you. appreciate as someone. We've we've all dabbled in radio. For we quite dabbled a bit, in it. quite a bit. But Jason, I want to talk about yes. your podcast because that's yes. the reason why you're here. Yes, yes it is. As our podcast director is chilling right next yeah. to you, oh, Sam. Nice to meet you. Nice to formally get acquainted. <laughs> no, uh, so my podcast here is I'll give you the elevator pitch. Um, 30 seconds, go. Yeah, it's, uh, the, <laughs> the title of the podcast is 2100, and the premise is essentially it's a time capsule to the people of the year 2100 to explain what it's like to be alive in our times. Oh. And it is meant to be listened to by the people of the year 2100 to understand what it's really like, because often the versions of history that are told by those in power are are not honest or true or uh, representative of the common people. So I, I'm doing that. I'm doing that instead. I love that. Uh, and I'm immortalizing myself. <laughs> I'm very, it's very forward thinking. Uh, so no ads on it. Ooh, uh, because I'm trying that. to keep everything completely honest, uh, make sure that no one can change it. And if it, I give no one else creative control, uh, I'm a writer, so I write full scripts and then I flush it out with interviews. It's a very, it's kind of like a combination of like Barstool and This American Life. You get ah, the funny, okay. angle, you get the funny and um, more aggressive no, angle and the real stuff, and then that NPR you're gonna learn something angle. Okay, uh, I love that. So I do, I do all sorts of stories. Like I have an episode called Homelessness and Roller Coasters. I see that. I'm just is, scrolling through right <laughs> yeah, now. Can you turn the computer? Essentially, a compare and contrast on how people spend their money uh we got 2100 better i love that yeah stupidity is uh that's essentially an avant-garde museum worthy compilation of stupidity uh from our time so that's real fast edits all the episodes are done differently i treat them all like little art projects and uh it's very fun it's not a standard radio podcast how did you come up with this idea um, originally, there was a book I read called uh, 2100, The Physics of Our Future. It was all about technology and stuff. And I was like, wow, it sucks that I'm one of the only... I'm. It's a boring book. I'm into a lot of very boring stuff. So like, you're a nonfiction kind of guy. I hate fiction. I, I write it now because I want to challenge myself, but I do not like enjoy fiction stuff. I don't like reading it or watching it. Mm-hmm. So I just suck in information all day. I love learning. And then I want to make it more palatable for people that may not be as interested in the dry. Like, I know I listen to WHYY every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. None of my friends would be able to listen to that. I can barely get through KYW when yeah. I had to do it for a project. Exactly, exactly. It's it's it, it, The news is very dry, and then now even satire is pretty repetitive. Yes, where, like, extremely. You get the same jokes on The Daily Show that you get on Stephen Colbert that you get on Trevor Noah. You could, you could I could write yeah. that whole show for all three of them, and it, it's literally like... The same thing. The same things. And I'm just trying to do different stuff we've got very fun guests um so like we did an episode on gentrification and oh. uh there's one there's the boner forever building if you're familiar yes. with that mm-hmm. i did an episode it's on iconic that. 
I did a whole episode on that. I've got Love the whole that. story about it, what they're planning to do with it in the future, and then we talk about what's going to happen to this neighborhood by the year 2100 with the people who own one of the prime real estates in the area. So I take this, I always like to zoom in real close on a small, small topic and then zoom out on why it matters. So like the foam mm-hmm. finger, I got the man who invented it. I don't think you the, actually found the man who invented yeah, the phone. Yeah, and I'm finger. one of the few people with the story. He's still it. alive. Yeah. How old is he? He's in his 70s. His birthday was like two days ago. Did you wish him a happy birthday? Yes, I did. Oh, good. I, 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 love, I shout out Steve. I don't have grandparents anymore, so when old people want to be a part of my life, I just let them in. Um, Hopefully, everybody is caught up on what the premise of this podcast is. Because I don't want to have to re-explain the premise over and over again. So hopefully... That last five minutes of me explaining what the show is has everybody caught up on what exactly is going on here. And now that everybody is caught up, I can move on to this week's topic, which is The Lonely T-Rex, featuring Google designer Sebastian Gabriel. Let's get to it. As a writer and producer in 2020, my main source of income stems from me fucking around on my laptop, uh, writing scripts, editing shows, booking guests, freelance work, research, graphic design, social media, website management, marketing. All of that can be boiled down to the category of fucking around on my laptop. Actually, to be candid, most uh, high-paying jobs are just fucking around on laptops. But we'll get to that in another episode. Uh, Like many other poor writers, I go to coffee shops and bars all over the place to write and get out of my house. In the 2010s, there's a common trope of uh, hipster writers going to coffee shops, the most popular of which being Starbucks to work on their quote-unquote screenplay or projects. It's a thing that people who have disdain for creatives say. And to be honest, I fit into the stereotype. Um... I don't go to Starbucks because I try to avoid giving my money to major corporations as much as humanly possible. A very, very hipster, yuppie thing to say, I know. As a poor douchebag writer, I often do not have the internet, and I have to hook up my laptop to the internet, which to the people of 2100 probably sounds like so primitive, like when my grandfather used to talk about connecting to the operator to make a phone call, and sometimes the operator would give me tood. It, and, and shooting jacks on the corner. Uh, many people in 2020 already know where I'm headed. Follow me here, people. My preferred internet browser is Google Chrome, and under the circumstance that I don't have internet, a little error message pops up that reads, No internet. 
Along with it, there is a tiny, like, pixelated dinosaur displayed. And that is the Lonely T-Rex. And without internet, if you were to click on the space bar on the keyboard, that T-Rex starts running and a little game begins. So let me explain this to the people of the future who may not understand one last time. I do all of my work on a personal laptop computer. If I go to a cafe or a coffee shop or a bar that I've never been before, and then I connect my personal laptop and start up the Google Chrome web browser, which is how I connect to the internet, uh, before I'm connected to the internet, a little T-Rex appears on the screen with no instructions or information about the existence of the game. But... If you click a space bar, the game begins. The game is essentially a secret. And as I talk about it now, I bet only 60% of the listeners in 2020 even know what I'm talking about. And why do I bring this stupid little game up? There are a few reasons. One. I love the T-Rex game. I think it's wholesome and exciting and a really interesting idea. It's a hidden little gem and stuff like that fires me up because I live in a world where everything is made to generate profits and monetize. But the Lonely T-Rex is the opposite of that. Two. I want to use it as a case study. Something that the people of the year 2100 can trace back to our stupid time period and understand. And... Three. The T-Rex game is, um... What is it? The most accessible video game in human history. Moving on! There's a lot to love about this game. The stealth factor, the fact that there is no mention or advertising for the fact that this game exists. And I like that the there's a fleeting nature to the game. The fact that it's not connected to the internet, so there is no high score database. As soon as you get connected to the internet, the game disappears. Even if you're in the middle of a really good game and you have a very high score, it disappears. And you just go on the internet, because that's what you wanted to do in the first place. You can't be mad about getting onto the internet. That's why you came here. You didn't come here for the game. You came here to get on the internet. It's an admission that the game does not matter. It's simply a dumb little distraction, which is all any game really is. Oddly enough, it's also rather pleasant that the game is on a plane white background and the page features no branding or advertisements. During this little game, a two-dimensional T-Rex runs through what is perceived to be a desert. You must jump over cacti and avoid pterodactyls, and that's the whole game. It is a culmination of various time periods brought into one stupid little T-Rex game that nearly one billion people on the planet have access to. According to a 2018 article, conducted by Google, about Google, very cool by our tech overlords, one of the developers of the game, Edward Zhang, who I spoke to, said, There are currently 270 million games played per month, both on laptop and mobile. Not surprisingly, most users come from markets with unreliable or expensive mobile data, like India, Brazil, Mexico, or Indonesia. End quote. To put that in perspective, in August of 2018, around the same time as that interview, Fortnite, currently one of the biggest games in the world, announced that it had 78 million players log on in August 2018. An argument can be made that this is perhaps one of the most accessible and widespread games ever created. It is available on every laptop or computer with Google Chrome and is available when you're not connected to the internet. 
It remains a secret to many, hidden by just the click of a spacebar. This little T-Rex game is available to over 1 billion people. Tetris, the highest selling video game of all time, was owned by 500 million people. The second most popular game of all time, Minecraft, is owned by 176 million people. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I tracked down a few members of the Google team that made this game. Uh, developer Edward Jung gave me an email interview. And Google designer Sebastian Gabriel came on the show. So I will allow Sebastian to introduce himself and what he does and his involvement in making the T-Rex game. And I'll let the interview play out because it's good. Here's Sebastian. No, no, no. He's French. I got to say it right. Here's Sebastian. Because the T is before the E. I got you, Sebastian. I heard about him. I heard about him. I heard about him. Oh. I'm a visual designer or UI designer, I think is my is my actual title. Oh, okay. Uh, I've been I've been working on the Chrome browser uh, for eight years and I'm working on Chrome OS specifically, so the, the system that goes on Chromebooks. And I work on everything that is user facing and anything that you see. Oh, so like everything that people see when they're interacting yeah. with Google Chrome. Exactly. Or and Chrome OS now, but yeah. But and you're a part of the team that does that, or you're at least you, you that's what you do. So you're responsible for what about a billion people every day see. Well, there's a team, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. That's why I said team. That's I made sure I said team. I don't, I don't want to. I, I don't yeah, want to. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I was, the, I was the first visual designer on Chrome, and also the first visual designer on Chrome OS. Wow, and well, official visual designer. Before that, it was uh, designers and, and and very talented people that were both designing and prototyping and developing at the same time. Okay, and you said. You said you've been on Chrome for eight years, so around 2011, yeah. 2010 you began there. And and yeah. it's fair to say that there's been a, a very it, – it's grown. It's definitely grown and became more prominent over that time period. And you've been there through that through that uh, growth period? Yeah, I've been there since Chrome was uh, only on Mac and Windows, um, so not on mobile format. So it definitely grew. At the time, I think it was – it was still pretty big. It was four hundred million, oh. and uh, <laughs> and now it's now it's like I don't know what the latest official numbers are, but like only on desktop it's like one billion, and and on mobile it's like two two billion. I think. Oh yeah, all the all the figures I looked up said a, a billion, but that way it was only desktop. So, um, but what what was your involvement with the uh, T Rex game, the T Rex oh. game on Google Chrome? And uh, if and give some backgrounds to the people. There's people in 2019 that do not know about it. I'd say I ran an Instagram poll, um, and about I think it was, it was something like 90 people had played it before, and then like 60 some people had not played it before. I was very surprised. Well, that's I guess it's still a lot. Like yeah, a lot of people <laughs> still do not know about because why would you press the space bar, which is a I've clearly thought about this a lot. I, I had someone had to tell me to press the space bar. Not everyone has that. Who's talking to you when you have? Either way, do go on. I'm sorry. I'm already ranting. <laughs> That's sorry. Right. Uh, I, I forgot what was the question. Sorry. Um, what was your involvement with the uh, T-Rex game? Oh yeah. Okay. And could you introduce oh. the T-Rex game to anyone who does not know what it is? <laughs> so T-Rex seems a little easter egg that we put when you're offline on the browser which obviously on the browser you cannot do a lot of things while being offline and so 
the things we want to do is introduce a little bit of, of, of delight in that frustrating moment. Uh, that's sort of like the the, the pitch of the things. <laughs> in terms of my responsibility, uh, that was actually one of my first projects, at least the, the container of that of that T-Rex thing was my first project, which was uh, taking care of the error pages in the Chrome browser itself. That was sort of an introductory project that mm. Google, uh, something pretty contained and pretty fairly easy for a new designer to like take on and explore. Mm -hmm. and so I started exploring a few things. Uh, some things already existed, um, like the, the frozen tab and other type of error pages with this very like pixely type of illustrations. And I explored like making the error pages better, making them a little bit different, exploring different style. It moved on and it was just secondary projects. And then I moved on, on like over the, over the course of two years and like working on different aspects of the browser itself. It came back and it sort of came back two years after. So it was in 2014, I believe. And, uh, and then we needed a new uh, a new icon for the offline state. Uh, nothing special, nothing like, it wasn't, there was nothing in the project that was like, oh, we need to make it fun and we need to make it like very specific. But um, I decided creating the, um, the little the T-Rex little icon. And I, it took me maybe like- Wait, you? Minutes. Yeah. You're the guy that like came up with the T-Rex itself? Yeah, I guess Edward didn't tell you that. God damn, no, I didn't know who specifically made it, but that's, oh, I am, I should have gotten your autograph at the beginning of this. <laughs> You've, uh, pardon my French, but god damn, sir. <laughs> All right, go, do go on. Uh, I do not mean to interrupt, I had to ask. Um, so yeah, 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 I did this, this little guy, and it was, it was at the beginning, like, um, sort of there without without anything to, to play around like it was just there it was an error and it was direct which was fun enough and people sort of picked it up and it was fun like it was i guess i think something that was validated very quick um and i was related to like the tone that i was talking about in product before how it changes or it doesn't changes it in this case chrome was always be has always been very whimsy even in leadership as well and mm -hmm. so when i sent them to uh, i sent that illustration to them which is just completely random it was like i call i called it the uh Lonely T-Rex at the very beginning. The Lonely T-Rex. Yeah. My reasoning to for, to justify that thing is that um, uh, there was no internet back in the prehistoric age, and this lonely dino is alone because there's no friends, because there's no <laughs> internet. That was sort of the entire thing. It was pretty pretty, pretty, pretty dumb like that, but it was pretty fun. And, no, it's not uh, dumb. This is the wholesome <laughs> shit I live for. This is perfect. Oh, that's very nice. Uh... <laughs> It's all very nice. All right, follow-up questions. <laughs> um, immediately, do you consider yourself uh, one of the most popular artists of all time? Uh, no, because... Million, billions of people see that dinosaur and know what that dinosaur is. They know. They see it every I know. day. I know, they know, but I'm not, I'm a, like, personally not popular, obviously. But well, it doesn't matter. Van Gogh, <laughs> Van Gogh died unknown. You, you, a billion people, at least a billion. Like, that is probably one of the most seen, like, this is the shit that I don't think people think about. Uh, not to compare you to someone else, but I will. Last season, I had the man who invented the foam finger on the uh, podcast. He invented it in the 70s. Um, and I, had, I pointed out to him, because he didn't get pot, he didn't get uh, rich off of it. There's a man named Steve Schmeler did not get rich off of the foam finger. I was like, do you realize that you've created an icon that is going to live on forever, uh, in like in like illustrations and magazines and 
documentary pieces of their time. Uh, do you realize you had done this? And he goes, oh, I didn't really think of it like that. And to you, <laughs> the same thing. You have created something that billions of people know and understand and can talk about, can relate to. And just by its very existence being around this long, uh, it will be cemented into people's minds. And then also you work for one of the biggest companies in the world who will certainly repurpose it and sell it for t-shirts and shit in the future. <laughs> and maybe they will name, maybe in 2050, they're like, let's uh, have an app. What do, what do we use the icon for the app? Oh, like, oh, we'll use this T-Rex because it used to symbolize prehistoric time, just like the game. And we repurpose it now that that game's been dead for 20 years. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be around. Oh, they are repurposing it for sure already. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's it's a good, it's, it's well designed. Building. How are they repurposing it? Um, have you looked at the Stadia presentation by Sundar? Oh, I have not. So, in the introduction of that, uh, if you look at the the first announcement in the, in the presentation, they actually said that we will publish this as the most played video game on earth. They, they, they are stealing the whole reason for this episode. <laughs> it is it's the most played video game on earth and no one's talking about it <laughs> I, I was looking yeah. into the statistics it was like in in 2000 uh, i think it was the la the most recent statistic i could find online it was like 80 million people play this a month and i was like how much how much how often do people play fortnite and it was like not even close to that and i was like oh my god why why does no one care this is like the most technically the most successful video game of all time and uh it's free it is technically the most accessible video game ever to have ever existed. And also, um, I love that it is 8-bit, and it is simple, <laughs> and it is meaningless. Just like all video games, it is accidentally a very meta statement on games itself. Um, it doesn't have a leaderboard. It, it's everything I love. <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, that that was the, the the fact that seeing it like that even if it's on the technicality or it is also because of the fact that is this attached to the Chrome browser itself that it is that that is the most the most played game on earth is something that that I've definitely found very uh, rewarding. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, that, sir. I've been a big gamer for a while, <laughs> so so it's like yeah, it's, it's something is that that that, that achievement. It's great in a Tinder bio. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, created the most played video game on earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, seeing it like that, for sure, for sure was a big deal. Um, but, uh, no, I guess, I guess you don't really realize, realize the impact. I, I, uh, I had a lot of, of fun looking around at what people were doing with it, like videos, and like, that's how people, like, jumping over chairs in the video with it. Mm -hmm. There's paint, uh, there's some paintings. Uh, your partner, shirts, yeah. uh, Edward, who was involved, sent me a Reddit post, uh, yeah. about it being, like, spray-painted on a wall. No, it it is. I, that is what I wanted to talk about. I thought it was something. I like to talk about stuff that it, it does not seem to be getting. It's it's time to talk about. So talk to me about that. Uh, first of all, if you don't mind me asking, what is you? How old are you? Um, thirty-three. So you're very early into your developing career. Uh, I guess my career is now ten years. Yeah, that's. Oh, I mean, thirty-three is a young a young man. I'm twenty-four. Uh, I, I, I have friends who are older than you, uh, that were like my bosses at restaurants and stuff. So you you yeah. you're very far along for um for for your for your developing career. So where do well, you go from creating the most uh, played video game on earth? 
yeah. <laughs> like, where do you go from that? And no, is that's probably not even your crowning achievement or like the thing you're most proud of, is it? No, well, no, not necessarily. Um, well, also because of, I, I'm very proud of the of the of the little, little T-Rex. I'm very proud of what it spawned in terms of like uh, like impact for sure. Uh, of course, the I couldn't have done it with like Edward, for example, who was the the, the main developer. In yeah, the it's a team. It's a team with four, four total uh, team of people there to create that, that little that little game. Um, it's 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 something I'm very proud of. It's something that 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 usually people introduce me as at parties. Uh, like... Well, yeah, it's because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Like yeah, you, you that makes sense. actually actually push. <laughs> I find it to be um, medium. I'm a person that I do not like when people talk about the shit I do. And a lot of my friends who do a lot of stuff are the same way, that they find that to be a lot of pressure. I'd rather just be introduced as Jason than be like, oh, this is Jason. He has a podcast. He has a book, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I find that to be a little much. So introducing you as the the T-Rex guy or the most successful, especially because are you ever met with people that do not know what it is or are you deep into the tech bubble and everyone knows what that is? Uh, it's actually so nobody knows what I do as my job, even in the tech area, because um, especially the browser itself. I mean, they know what what is a UI designer in the tech, in like in the Bay Area for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like usually when I when I was saying, oh, I work on Chrome, they were like, what are you doing there? There's not much to design at all. Oh, sorry, the tech the tech people they they even, they even even they don't know. So like most people don't know. My mom doesn't know what I do. So it's, it's uh, like, well, it's, yes. It's very, it's very well, same, sir. I'm a writer. Yeah. I, I understand that greatly. It's it's very abstract as a concept of what I do. So I guess it's a, it's a great way to introduce and being like. Uh, no, it's a good oh, way to no, explain exactly what, what you exactly you do. Yeah. <laughs> not really, because no, it makes you sound like, like not really. Yeah, it makes <laughs> you sound like you're a video game maker and not like you're improving the functionality of one of the most used web browsers on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, T Rex was maybe like zero point zero point one percent of my time at Google that I actually worked on it and not done anything on it. Uh, but it is, it is. But I'm. I'm so Wait, holy grateful. shit! So you're involved with the design and stuff for Google Chrome. I understand that. So I was for I was for five years. Yeah. So how much did you have to do with like the uh, change in the homepage and the design stuff and like getting involved with that? Does that anything to do with you? So if you look at from 2012 to 2017 mm-hmm. that was uh, that was like everything that you saw on iOS or Android or Windows or Mac was mostly you were seeing probably most of my work holy shit because I was <laughs> I was I was I was alone for the longest time then we have other visual designers well we all work on the product itself but like, I know I know like, I knew I know Chrome the browser and it's very tiny detail then there was the 10 years revamp which mm-hmm. I didn't do uh, because I left the team at that time, and uh, and like this one, this one was done by uh, by another designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I worked alone on, especially on the desktop part, for a long time as a visual designer. Of course, when I say alone, it is as the person who created the assets, the person who designed the tabs, the buttons, the uh, like everything that you see. But like alone sounds oddly like not. No, no, I understand it. I, I understand what you're saying. You're in charge of, like, the display and what it looks like and the buttons. Right. No, I, I understand it. I, I don't think that's too abstract or anything. No, and you had, like, oh, my God. So I've dealt with your work every day for likely the last five years of my life. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 
And so has probably most people listening to this. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That has to be vastly <laughs> satisfying. It is. It is the, the scale. The scale is is, uh, is something you can only really get out of a product like that. So you don't really realize it. Like, yeah, you're in everybody's life, but you don't really you don't really think of it. I guess. I guess at some point you have to stop thinking about it. Yeah, it, it took me a while to actually ship something uh, to actually have something that goes out into the public. I think it was one year in, and it was a. Uh, it was like a it was a tiny icon for a Google built extension in the Chrome Store. That was and I was super stoked. About yeah, you probably it. screenshotted pictures of it, yeah. sent it to your friend. Hey, like, look at what I made! Yeah. It's an achievement because I, I was I was coming like before that I was I was in uh, I was in a very tiny company in France and we were shipping things that weren't reaching a lot of people and then I got to ship this like icon and and yeah just like that it was my first thing shipped by Google and it was my my, my very first. Yeah, my very first work there, uh, and then as I started like shipping more and more things. Uh, yeah, you sort of like forget that, and leave it, leave it somewhere in the back of your mind because then uh, it's uh, yeah, you cannot you cannot go on uh, like. <laughs> if you carry the weight of the billions of people dealing with your work, you kind the of the fact that the fact that there's a big team with you also helps tremendously. It's like it's not it's not you're not you're not, you're not, you're not it's not like being an artist in front of crowd of people and like uh, like talking to you know, people at the same time uh you're you're a team trying to provide a product to people so that also aspect having always people to rely on is, well if you paint it with that language it's true but then someone like me comes along and goes hey man that nice little dinosaur thing you made is technically art and it is technically one of the most seen uh, I guess pieces of art. So it depends on the lens you see it through. So I understand seeing it as a product, and because it is, it's all of these things. It not, there is no one true answer. If you look at it as one, it is one, and if you look at it as the other, it is the other. But that's the nature of like art, and it, it's either everything is art or nothing is art. If when you always boil it down, but that's <laughs> weird theory and philosophy and so on. No, but uh, I think it's all tremendously fascinating. And yeah, how has that transition transition been going from someone whose work is rarely seen to someone because it is the equivalent. You you say it's not like an artist, and it, but that's the, the nature of the internet. I don't see the people that listen to my podcast. I don't get to ever see that payoff. I just see numbers, similar to how you don't see the payoff of people playing the game. All the conversations when someone originally presses the button in the office and the thing starts running and they go, yo, look what I found. And then everyone rushes back to their desk and they all start playing it. That moment that I've seen happen multiple times, like, uh, it, it turns into real, real life shit. Pardon my French, but no, uh, yeah. How, how is, um, managing all that? Uh, <laughs> I guess you're the first step bring it up in such in such light uh or or like so vividly uh, so <laughs> i gotta process it i guess but it's no like, because no. my thing is i always have this philosophy that if something happens in my life it's probably happened many times other places um and that's one of the things like everyone the only way to find out about the game is that is through like um like just by happenstance or if someone tells you and either way, it's an exciting thing. It's like you've unlocked a little secret. You referred to it yourself yeah. as an Easter egg. So that little yeah. moment of dopamine to unlock this very familiar game that you can understand within seconds, uh, you guys knew what you were doing when you made it. It's very, 
it's very functional and understandable and simple and uh yeah it, it's all of that yeah it, it worked out it worked out well um it, that, that's that, that's the point that's what's rewarding about that is that we do not advertise it at all it's not it's not the point like we, it was really supposed to be something hidden something nice for people uh to discover and that that you said like that that rush that you get when you find something cool yeah that's what it is so, uh, we're betting on uh, and at the beginning, it, uh, it like it didn't took took off as as fast as uh, uh, what we were hoping for everything, but it didn't took uh, took off very fast. And then all of a sudden, it became it became this this very big thing. Um, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I understand. That, but. I understand. Uh, a couple other questions. Um, why is it in the desert? Oh, <laughs> so we were doing that's that's a good question. Should have gave more background. Um, so the reason why it's jumping of a cacti is. Um, <laughs> Because there was another page, another page where uh, the page was saying no Wi-Fi signal. Mm-hmm. And the Wi-Fi signal, you're in the middle of the desert, and the image for that was a bunch of little cacti in front of you. Okay, that was that's that pretty much it. And so <laughs> this one didn't make it um, as as a page, so we reused the cacti from that error, so that the uh, the endless runner uh, T-Rex game was just jumping. So that's awesome. So even the cactus, even the cacti live on through the T-Rex game. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's awesome. I just thought of that. I was like, eh, te- technically, a T Rex could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in the desert. I, but but it is a good call. When I think T Rex, I guess I think desert. You don't really think about where a T Rex is. You just kind of think about a T Rex. I would think jungle, uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park, I guess. But like, the, the desert is pretty appropriate, especially when you think of the Wi Fi and no internet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It feels. It also makes it very simple. Like you have a little bit of dirt, and you have a cac- some cactus around. Yeah, and that's it. No, it makes sense. Uh, but but uh, thank you uh, for explaining your game to us and explaining a little bit about what you do. I know that many of you at this juncture are probably like, "All right, Jason. A lot of people play this stupid game that you like, and good for Sebastian or whatever." But who cares? What's the point, bitch? And to respond to your stupid question, allow me to read a bit of a Business Insider article to you, written by Kevin Webb in October of 2019. Video games are more than just a booming entertainment business. They're reshaping the way we interact with the world. The gaming industry inspires innovation by constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible, driving companies like Google and Microsoft to create new technology to serve billions of gamers around the world. In fact, according to Microsoft, there are more than 2 billion gamers around the world. This number includes everyone from those playing free games on their phones to those using a state-of-the-art computer fitted with the latest hardware. And the gaming market is only growing. By 2022, experts forecast that the gaming industry will produce $196 billion in revenue. It's no wonder that tech giants like Apple and Google are trying to cash in by launching gaming streaming services. But it's not just giant companies looking to make money off gaming. As a global culture around video games continues to change, it has given a rise to a new way for people to make money. Don't know what that voice was, end quote. Video games in 2019 were a $120 billion industry. Video games are complete vanity. 
They provide nothing but entertainment at face value. Arguments can be made about the merits of gaming, and people will make those arguments. But you cannot deny that they are purely an entertainment product. All of these companies are rushing to develop the latest games, win awards, and feed their families because there's this lucrative industry that is centered around creating games that will sell. Even Google is caught up in this race. And even they will never create a game as successful or widespread as this simple little game. The Lonely T-Rex will retain its record for a while. Its success comes from the fact that it is free. The game would never be played if you had to pay, and they can't monetize it because you can't put ads on something that's not connected to the internet. The gameplay is completely circumstantial, but the most played and accessible video game in human history as of 2020 is The Lonely T-Rex. Sure, you can play it online if you'd like, weirdo. But that's not typically how people play or why people play. We're purists about this shit. Let me stress this again. No, no advertising, advertising for it. It breaks every advertising theory into pieces. Not a single commercial or advertisement aired for the most played video game on Earth. Could you imagine if the most watched movie or TV show never had a single goddamn commercial or poster? Or if a politician won an election without advertising? It's madness in this time period. And the and Lonely T-Rex did it. The Lonely T-Rex is a glitch in the matrix. It's a to the video game industry that is notoriously shitty to its workers and it doesn't get the respect it deserves. As a culture, we show so much respect to the things that we deem successful. Our ideas of success is tied to how much money something makes. A good movie does well at the box office. A good game sells a lot of copies. A good company makes a lot of money. In that model, we tend to overlook the successes that are not profit-based. Indie movies win indie awards and never get brought to the public eye. A company with modest margins making a difference in their community gets less praise than a billion dollar behemoth that displaces communities. And the lonely T-Rex is an afterthought. And I'm not saying we should give Google credit because Google already has plenty of praise. But I want to give Sebastian and Edward and his team their roses for making something that has brought little moments of joy into the world across the globe. And Americans might still be saying, who cares about this game? And I'd yell back at them with a gun in my hand. People in other countries care. People who have shitty access to internet care and don't have the benefit of having a PS4 or an Xbox One in the other room. Little kids in India that get one hour of laptop time every day just like little Americans and have to play this stupid little T-Rex game because it's the most fun thing that they could possibly do on a laptop with no internet. We all die, but the lonely T-Rex lives on. Thank you and happy 2100. You are watching a master at work. And you can't be that. Yeah, it do not matter. Turn to a savage, pocket got fatter. She call me daddy. Smoking that gas, got all that zany. She on a powder. Nowadays, I am on my head, I got sadder. Money got longer, speaker got louder, car got faster. Turn to a savage, pocket got fatter. She call me daddy. Smoking that gas, gone out that sign, she on the powder. Nowadays I am on my head, I got sadder.
car got faster. Money so old, dollars spoiled. Yeah, my love so spoiled. Yeah.